This is an RNZ podcast. While Parliament's playground burned this week, TVNZ's Europe correspondent Daniel Faitawa said this over grim pictures of wreckage in Ukraine late last week. Missile fragments lie near to a playground. It's hard to believe this is the year 2022. Now, he didn't say why the outbreak of war now was quite so hard to fathom. Armed conflict broke out just eight years ago between Ukraine and Russia and has continued since. But when Russia invaded its neighbour again last week, it shocked everyone. It's the biggest war in Europe since World War II and Ukraine's military death toll is already at 137 and counting. It was News Hub at 6 the evening after Russia first attacked. The biggest war in Europe since 1945 would puzzle people from the former Yugoslavia. And the same night, TVNZ's Europe correspondent Daniel Faitawa told One News viewers about the war kicking off like this. The moment the course of European history was ripped up and redirected. It's been said this is Russia's version of shock and awe. Now, it's a bit early to say if Europe's history has been ripped up by this. More likely, it's just been added to and not in a nice way. But while TV News talked it up late last week, News Talk ZB's Mike Hosking was talking it down a few days earlier. I I still don't think there's going to be a war in the Ukraine. There's going to be... There's a couple of skirmishes on the border and some of the pro-Russian aspects of the Ukraine and there's, there's stirring going on, but I think fundamentally someone's going to step back. And that was just three days before it all kicked off. But even after that, Russia's UN ambassador insisted this wasn't really a war, though his Ukrainian counterpart wasn't having that, as TVNZ's Anna Burns Francis in New York reported. The Russian president declared a war on the record. Should I play the video of your president? Ambassador, shall I do that right now, or you can confirm it? Mr Kurtz leads here telling uh, Russia's ambassador he could pass on a message to his boss that there's no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell instead. Meanwhile, over in Ireland, the ambassador there faced this on the late news on the public broadcaster RTE. Why should our government entertain your presence here when you are acting as an apologist for slaughter? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, you might ask uh, that... Uh, uh, your government. It's up to them. I, I can leave any time. Ambassador uh, Yuri Filatov, Ambassador of Russia to Ireland for the moment at least. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Not often that someone who's just been called an apologist for slaughter replies, good question. Now in Australia last week, cautious broadcasters also wrestled with whether it was actually an invasion. The question is now, what does an invasion constitute or what constitutes an invasion? Has the invasion effectively begun? No, you couldn't say that. He said he is sending troops over the border, over the Ukraine, the internationally recognised Ukrainian border, in, into East. Because he Ukraine. doesn't recognise that. Yeah. That's, that's the point. He, Tonight, Putin's push. The Russian president orders troops into eastern Ukraine. Putin's push. Vlad would be tickled pink with that. And Putin would have loved the way that the United Arab Emirates advised media not to call it an invasion either. The UAE also abstained from a United Nations resolution condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine, even though the country's on the UN Security Council right now. Lots of Russian money and expats and contracts there, coincidentally. But by this week, no one was pretending it wasn't an invasion and a war. Indeed, way out in the lead in the death toll stakes, the Democratic Republic of Congo, whose war got going in 1998, but heated up right after the millennium. 
But the five million plus deaths of the second Congo war don't often get mentioned in our media. Now Europe has, broadly speaking, been stable since the Second World War, unlike other parts of the world. But some reporters trying to make that point have done it in a way that you could charitably describe as ethnocentric. But this isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too. And if that U.S. report had Googled cradle of civilization, he might have chosen other words to express his surprise. Now, there was more where that came from, from other global Western broadcasters. It's really emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed, children being killed every day with Putin's missiles. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. And NBC presenter Mehdi Hassan wasn't impressed with that. Europe has been home to some of the worst wars and worst war crimes in human history. I mean, the Holocaust. So why this surprise that bad things are happening in Europe? And second, when they say, oh, civilised cities and, in another clip, well-dressed people and this is not the third world, they really mean white people, don't they? The reason they seem to want us to care more about Ukraine, and we should care about Ukraine, but not because they're white Europeans. That shouldn't be the reason we care about Ukraine. Now, one outlet unlikely to air anything that Vladimir Putin might disapprove of is RT, the Kremlin-backed national TV news channel founded in 2005. Last weekend, the channel vanished suddenly from the slates of Sky TV, just days after the war kicked off. On Midweek Media Watch this week, I took a look at that, talking to Karen Hay on The Lately Show last Wednesday. If you missed it, it's on our page of the RNZ website, the RNZ app, or you'll find it in our podcast feed.